Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So here we are. This is an exciting time. Tomorrow marks the beginning of the 2019-2020 academic school year here at Purdue. Some of you are here for your very first year as a college student. Some of you have transferred to Purdue uh, to do graduate studies. Some of you are in your second, third, looking at you, no, <laughs> just kidding. Some of you can't even count how many years you've been here. <laughs> but no matter how long or how short your time here at Purdue has been, we are thankful that you are here today at University Lutheran Church. We are gathered in Jesus' name and we are gathered around God's love for the world in both word and sacrament. You could feel the buzz this week uh, as you and other students were arriving, showing up all week long. I saw students getting to know one another, introducing themselves down in fuel at the coffee shop. I drove past the dining halls and lots of students standing outside, sparking up conversations, making new friends. These, are, these years are filled with lots of opportunities that are going to shape your future. I met one of my best friends on the very first day of college. I ended up standing up in his wedding four years later. And five years, it took him five years, but five years after uh, we met, he invited me to his church, and I ended up becoming a Lutheran. <laughs> Only God knows how your lives are going to change through these years at college. I think one thing is true of all college students. Really, it's true of all people. Everyone wants to find a place where they belong. And apart from a very few, there are troublemakers out there, <laughs> but apart from a very few, almost everyone wants to be liked wants to be accepted. At college, you will have many opportunities to meet new people. And some of those people are going to become great friends. And you, un unfortunately, during your years at college, you may also meet some people that are opposed to Jesus, whom you know as your savior. And because they reject him, you may find that you could end up getting rejected as well. I pray that you won't have to deal with this, but it does happen. Jesus predicted that it will in our gospel. He says, do you think that I have come to bring, bring peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on in one house there will be five divided, three against two, and two against three. And he goes on and he explains how people that are supposed to have tight ties will end up turning on one another. And you may be wondering, well, why in the world would Jesus say that he didn't come to bring peace? There's lots of Bible verses that tell us that's why he came. And why would he say that he's here to bring division. Even division in families. 
What does this mean? Well, this, this teaching is made a little clearer when we read some things that he said to his 12 apostles. Jesus talked to them on the night before he was crucified. So tensions were kind of high. And they were getting ready. He would be beaten less than, less than 12 hours later. But these are some of the things that he told these 12. Jesus told them, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before you. And a little later, he said, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And then Jesus prayed for the twelve. And he said this. He's praying for them. He wants them to survive this. He prays, I have given them your word, Father, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. The world doesn't hate the twelve apostles because they're not cool. They don't hate them because they don't interact well socially. They hated them because they taught this. That peace with God comes through repentance and forgiveness of sins that Jesus alone can bring. At the beginning of the service, we confessed something um, we confess something that's uh, not popular. We confess that we were poor, miserable sinners who deserved nothing except for this. Punishment now and punishment for eternity. The world does not want to be, not to be, does not want to be labeled as sinners who deserve punishment. The world thinks that they're basically good people and they deserve good things in this life and good things in the life to come. The church, however, recognizes that everything good in this world comes from Jesus alone. Because of Jesus, we have forgiveness of sins. Because of Jesus, we have hope for eternity. Because of Jesus, we have peace with God. We need him. This need of ours is offensive to the world. It is. And when the word of God speaks the truth about our sin and our need of a savior, the world says that the word of God is hateful. And they want to shut it up. This may mean that they want to stop hanging out with you. Or they may want to shut you up. In other words, there may be division and people may turn against you. Jesus said that this could be so. But here's the thing. If somebody turns against you, if someone turns against us, we do not turn against them. 
Jesus also said in another place, you have heard that it was said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. He wants us to pray for the salvation of our enemies. And Jesus not only taught this, guys, he lived it. As he was dying for the sins of the world, he did not speak out in anger against those who rejected him. He wasn't saying, wait till three, three days later. They're going to get it. He doesn't say, wait till I come back. No. Do you remember what he prayed? Father, forgive them. And in the book of Romans, Paul reminds Christians that while we were enemies, that means we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to God uh, through the death of his son. And we are saved by his life. We were enemies of God, and he, what did he do? He laid down his life for us. We, we were and are daily sinners. And he died so that he could wash, our way, wash away our sins and daily and richly forgive us. Jesus is constantly loving those who reject him. If we end up having enemies, we want to love them the way that Jesus loves us. What does that look like? And it's an important question. How does Jesus love us? First, Jesus tells us the truth about our situation. In other words, God loved us so much that he showed us our sin that is killing us. How did he do that? Not in a hateful or vengeful way. But God used his word to speak the truth to us in love. And I don't know about you, but when I'm confronted by my sin, it hurts. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it when sometimes my own child can point out my sins. He's six years old, but, but pretty wise. It's like, you're not supposed to do that, Dad. It hurts. But God replaces our shame with forgiveness that was earned by his death and resurrection. He took away our condemnation and he saves us from the penalty of our sin. Now, we can't die for anyone's sin like he did, but we can tell people about the one who did. Now that doesn't mean that from now on as you head out that you're to be carrying around billboards or preaching to people that you see on the sidewalk. But it does mean this. Abide in Jesus and you will bear fruit. What does this mean? It means that no matter what happens in your life, no matter what happens, continue to gather around God's word Receive his body and blood in the supper. 
continue to receive the forgiveness of sins. This is abiding in Jesus. And when we abide in him, we end up doing something. We love our neighbor. Today's gospel lesson shares that this could cause some people to reject us. In order to make this relatable, I'm going to tell a personal story. In my freshman year of college, the word of God struck my conscience in two things. Two things. Well, lots of things, but two things really stuck out. First, I was underage drinking. Second, I was getting drunk a lot. I was breaking the fourth commandment, which establishes God's authority in the laws of the land, which said, hey, you, you got to wait till you're 21. And I was also going against the part of God's word, which says, do not drink to drunkenness. Now, I was very conflicted on the inside because I did not miss church. I was a baptized Christian, and I was willfully going against the word that I gathered around each and every week. This conflict bothered me so much that I talked with people about it. Because I felt guilty. And I talked with people, my friends. My friends that I got drunk with. And you can imagine that the people I got drunk with didn't want to hear about my struggles with God's word. They're like, let's party. Because God's word only convicted them also. Long story short, I ended up agreeing with God's word and I confessed my sin. Of course, Jesus forgave me not only that time, but each of the times that I slipped in any number of my many sins. But my friends that I drank with no longer wanted to be around me. I didn't preach at them. I mean, I didn't say, hey, you've got to change your ways. I didn't do that at all. But they were aggravated by the fact that I couldn't drink with them anymore. I didn't mention their drinking. But my drinking, my not drinking was seen by them as judgment. The same thing could or maybe has happened to you with any number of things. Perhaps your abiding in God's word led to people rejecting you. This is what Jesus is talking about here. But when you, by the Holy Spirit, abide in God's word, there are also good things that happen. I'd like to share one other story. I've seen many good things happen in my life. In one particular case was my brother, my brother Jordan. When abiding in God's word meant certain changes in my life, uh, Jordan did not reject me. But for quite a while, we were living very separate lives. He once told me, I want to be a Christian. I got his permission to tell you this. But <laughs> he once told me, I want to be a Christian, but I want to party. We were very 90s. <laughs> For him, partying meant underage drinking along with a lot of other things. And I told my brother, 
Whatever you do on Saturday night, don't let it stop you from coming to church on Sunday morning. He kept that advice for a while. But eventually, he stopped going to church. But he continued to hang out with me. And to make a long story short, about seven years ago, my brother got baptized. And a few months ago, my brother got confirmed and had his first communion. I'm so thankful that Jesus doesn't turn on any of us, even when we have all turned on him. Even when we were his enemies, he loved us and he laid down his life so that we could be forgiven. And I pray that each of you will abide in his love throughout your time at college, no matter how the world reacts to you. No matter what you've done. I will be surprised if at college you don't do something that you that you regret. Come to church. Come back. Hear those words of forgiveness. Don't be ashamed. Let Jesus take away your shame. And I pray that if the world rejects you, I pray that God would give you grace to love those people, to pray for them. Who knows, your enemies may become your brothers your sisters in Christ. As Jesus noted in the second part of the gospel, the times are short. Jesus could return at any moment. And all signs point to the fact that life is fleeting. In college, it sometimes seems like you could live forever. But the truth is, no one, not even college students, are guaranteed tomorrow. We don't want to give up our Savior for fleeting pleasures in this world. Nor do we want to give up eternal life found in Jesus for the approval of a world that changes from one moment to another. If Jesus wanted approval from, from men, then he would have never gone to the cross to pay for our sins. He would have just kept healing and feeding people. They loved that. But it was his faithfulness to God that led to his rejection from man. I pray that God would give you the same grace that he gave to the apostles and the early Christian church. Many of them were faithful unto death. That doesn't mean that they were perfect. They weren't. It just means that they continually confessed their sin and relied on God's grace in word and sacrament no matter what the world threw at them. They refused to deny Jesus for the approval of others. When Jesus asked Peter and the twelve if they wanted to leave when over 5,000 others rejected Jesus and his hard teaching. Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've believed and we've come to know 
that you are the Holy One of God. I pray that no matter what college throws at you, that this would be your confession from day one, from day one, until God grants you everlasting life that he has promised. In the name of Jesus, amen.